0: All right. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Yes. Because I am filled with the Spirit and I am highly, highly caffeinated. So I'm going to ask you to bear with me. Might be a little bit of fire. It seems really off center this morning. I don't know, maybe I need to come over on this I don't know if this is more the anointing side, but this whole side's full. And I, I don't know. It's going to throw me off a little bit this morning. But I don't know about you, but uh, did you guys enjoy it last Sunday? Our Godfidence, starting our Godfidence? Okay, two people. So two people are enjoying our series so far. Okay, well, well hopefully that will change this Sunday. Hopefully it will bring some revelation to you. But we're going to continue on with our series, Confidence. But before we continue, I want to reread what I read last Sunday out of the Urban Dictionary, the definition of this. I thought it was really cool. The opposite of self-confidence, which is what the world preaches us to have, we need confidence. And not the one that gives credit to ourselves. We know, come on, we, we can take credit for ourselves and blows up our own ego. But the one that gives credit to God. See, last week we talked about it is finished, those three profound words that Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, and not just the Old Testament, not just the New Testament, but come on church, the devil is finished in Jesus' name. He no longer can use condemnation in our lives because he has disarmed the enemy in his name Jesus, but it is finished. But see, my desire truly, truly is that we would all encompass, that we would all experience that confidence, that god confidence, could, uh, if I could say, uh, really in every area, in every arena in our life, not just in church, but outside the walls in our church. But we need to have this type of confidence. See, I read an article this morning, really broke my heart. They're doing a survey with a group of individuals all under 35 of age. And the number one reason that they don't believe or that they're not coming to church is that they don't believe in God. They don't believe in the words because, and then it takes it a little bit further with a little bit of the notes. They're saying, I haven't seen God move. I had a crisis and I didn't see God move. And the people, the church, the people are the same as me church that that should be a wake up call to the church we're that keyhole if you will we're the lens that in which people see the church i don't know if you grew up like me but my church was it, it was it was kind of like rows, the pews, old pews, and, and nothing wrong with that. But we had, we had water on the wall, and I grew up Catholic, so there's a lot of different things that God had to break me of and some some weird, weird mindsets. But what I'm saying is, and I say all that to say this, people have a preconceived notion of church before they come into church. Chances are when you first came to Christian Faith Center, you said, man, I didn't realize church could be like that. I didn't think we could clap. I didn't think we could raise our hands. I didn't think we could laugh at church. I thought I had to be serious and I had to have a tie. I'm not saying it's bad to bring your very best to church, that's okay, and I don't want it to demean that, but at the same time, we need to be free so the Spirit can move, and it's not people that move, it's the Spirit that moves. Can I get an amen this morning? But they're losing it because we as people, they don't believe that He is who He says He is, because they haven't showed up they they prayed, and they've seeked, and they've asked, like, God, why aren't you showing up in my life? Why aren't you doing this in my life? And we'll get to later. But the problem is they haven't haven't crossed that bridge of obedience to actually listening, actually having a relationship and connecting with God on a personal, relational level. But I don't know about you, but I know he is who he says he is. Come on, church, he's the alpha, the omega, he's the author, he's the finisher, he's the healer, he's the redeemer, he's the savior. Come on, am I in the right place this morning? Uh, Because I know what my scripture says, and he's never backed off on a promise, he's never backed off on, on something that he said. Yeah, it might not be in my timing, it might feel like it takes forever. Like, man, man, I've been in these chains forever. I've been in this prison cell forever. I've been in this addiction forever. When or when are you going to show up? And he's saying to you, it is finished. Perseverance. Push through. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes focused on me this morning. Because he will do what he says he will do. And the beauty of this, he will do what he says he will do with you. Not just the church, not just with the preacher, not just with the teacher, but he's going to do it for you. If he started, if he put a dream, if he put a vision, if he put something into your heart or something into your mind, he's going to see you through it and to it in Jesus' name. I don't care if you're shackled up. I don't care if you're wrapped up in addiction. I don't care if you just walked out of a prison cell. I'm telling you, my Jesus, he saves and he sets people free so we could walk out in freedom. Like I said last Sunday, man, I, I'd never seen anybody that where the cell door opens and they kind of they survey the place like, you know, I kind of got a good in here, man. I don't, I don't know if I want to be set free. I've never heard that. Usually it's the opposite. The dude's running out. I don't care about my commissary. I don't care about my clothes. I want out of this place. But why aren't we that free? Why aren't we chasing? Why aren't we running out of that prison cell this morning? And that's why I felt like the Lord wanted people to be set free this morning. But he says what he says he will do And he will do it for you. Just because that person next to you said, Man, he's that person's anointed, they got some skinny jeans and some nice hair, and they're doing good things in that person's life, doesn't mean that he's not doing it for you. You might not see it, it might take a little while, you might have to walk down a different road to get there, but just understand that the favor, the blessings, the promises, the things of God are on the other side of your obedience, and just simply listening and taking the step. He's not telling you to run a marathon. He ain't telling you to, to do these multiple step, you know, Dr. Phil or do, or Mrs. Oprah or whatever. He said, I just want you to take one step. I will take care of the rest. Just take one step so I know. Are you with me? Okay. I, I want to read out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And it says this, and now, dear children, I want to stop there. Isn't that just amazing? He doesn't say, and now slaves, and now robots, and now minions. He says, dear children, sons and daughters. He's talking to us. We're sons and daughters. If you didn't know that, you are a son and daughter of the most high God. And it continues on says, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, not if he returns or if he so chooses. This is already set into motion when Jesus returns and he's going to return. You will be full of courage, and you will not shrink back from him in shame. That's powerful, but today we're going to be talking about favor. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you got favor. I want you to look at your other neighbor that maybe didn't have deodorant on or whatever and say, you got favor too. All right. Okay. They just make it awkward for everybody in here. That's okay. We're going to break some ice in here this morning. But we can have confidence, confidence, confidence and the promises of God that are coming for us in the next season. Can we pray? So, Father, just thank you for the opportunity. Lord, let me, let me get out of your way. I don't want to mess this up. People came to hear your, your truth, your word, not mine. They didn't come here to listen to Pastor Eric. They came here to the word of God. God, would you just use me in a powerful way? Would you speak to all of us? Would it resonate in our hearts, minds, and souls and spirits this morning? Would it change? Would it not just be words spoken, but would it be just bondage and change and and just mindsets just broken and changed and strengthened? Would you encourage us? And would we receive your word, not mine, your word this morning in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. The scripture I'm gonna hang my hat on this morning is, is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse starting on verse 35 going through 39. Going to get a hee-haw when you're there or something, just so I know you guys are here this morning. Okay, something. All right, and if you don't have the Bible with you, we'll put one in your hand. Also, you can also have a perfect opportunity for download our app since you are on Facebook anyway right now. Just saying. Anyway, moving on. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, and it says this. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember Journalizing. I'm just saying, if you, if you don't journalize your life and your walk with God, I would encourage you strongly to do so. It says, remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, church. Right now, maybe we need patient endurance to get through to the next. For in just a little while, the coming one, Jesus, will come and he will not delay. He's not going to hit his foot on earth and say, oh, well, I guess maybe the time's not right. I'll check back later. No, when when he comes, he is coming in a triumphant victory on a white horse and a sword, and he is taking back what is rightfully theirs. But I take no pleasure, it continues on, and my righteous ones will live by faith, not on faith, by faith, sermon for another day, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Our God's not a vindictive God that laughs and says, ah, there's another one of them sinners soft to hell. That's not our God. He grieves. It breaks his heart to the core to see his children drift away. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved, which leads me to this statement. We can have confidence in the favor of God. I want everybody to say confidence this morning. See, the words favor and grace, if you look at the words that they're translated from in both the Hebrew and the Greek, they come from the same words. The basis of salvation is grace. A lot of us understand that, but it's undeserving toward his people. How many here are are, are in the situation or in a ministry, in a job, that maybe you just don't feel like you deserve? God's favor is upon you. Me being on this stage is God's favor. I don't deserve the life I have. I don't deserve the ministry that I'm walking in. I don't deserve any of it. But his grace is sufficient. He loves me. Matter of fact, we'll get into it later, but he can't choose not to love you. He is love. He's the author of love. And see, we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and it says this. God saved you. Not a preacher, not a teacher, not a church, not a movement, but God saved you. God, not me. God saved you by his grace when you believed. So once you believe, you have been saved. And you can't take credit for this. I love this. It is a gift from God. You can't take credit for it. You're saved. You're redeemed. Only God gets the glory. Not a situation, oh, that preacher, man, he's something. Boy, I got saved through him. No, you got saved through Jesus. I'm just saying. God just used that preacher in a powerful way to speak life into you when you need it the most. But it's Jesus who saves. It's Jesus. I, I lay hands on you. you. get. You get healed up. It ain't because of the power. It's not because of me. It's because of Jesus and because he wants to move in your life. I just want to set the record straight. I'm, going to, I'm, not, I'm not taking any of the credit. And it says we can't. In 2 Timothy verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 9, rather, it says, For God saved us, again, being very clear, and called us to be a holy life. Called us, the church, each and every one of you. He's called you by name. He knows the intricate details of your life. He's called you. He did this not because we deserve it. Come on, church. How I many no, we don't deserve the life that we've been given. But because that was his plan from the beginning of time. I'm going to pause there. The plan from the beginning of time. A plan, therefore, he had a plan. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't an oopsie. It was, hey, I, oh, I guess man, man sin. i got to come figure out this five-point plan to get salvation. No, you are a plan from the beginning. Matter of fact, you were on his mind before creation. Before the stars, before before the planets, before before the earth, you were on his mind. And he loved you, and he had a plan in motion from the very beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. See, by accepting Jesus, we accept the grace of God. If you accept Jesus, therefore you have the grace of God. And if you're obedient to God, then therefore the favor, the blessings, the promises will come in return. Churches, we overcomplicate this sometimes, but it's real simple. When people come to church and they raise their hand for salvation, well, "Well, I don't know, I messed up again. No, his grace is sufficient. He wants you to change. If you're repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again, say, God, what's going on here? I get your grace is sufficient, but I feel like I'm going around this rat race a thousand times over. Maybe he wants to speak. Maybe this is for somebody this morning. I don't know. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But maybe we need to listen more than we're talking in our prayer life. Man, we, we like to. I mean, if you're like me, I get, I get all ADHD or whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm so scatterbrained. It's ridiculous. It drives my wife crazy. Something shiny. I don't do the laundry. But in theory, you know, I think about the laundry of you know, do I have clothes and do I have this. And uh, Did I leave the coffee machine on? That's more realistic. Come on. Did I leave the coffee machine on? Did I leave the water on? Like, I, I do these things in my prayer life, and I'm just going down these lists, and I forgot what I was even praying about. I said, Lord, I came for you for a specific need, and now I'm talking about laundry, I'm talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, man. I'm all over the place this morning. But sometimes we got to just, we got to stop talking so we can listen. God's like, yeah, I, are you done yet? Man, you've been talking for 25 minutes, and you are just rambling on and on, and I've got something to say, but how many times, if we're being real, how many times do we say, Lord, I you. i need you i need you to heal i need to hear my sister why would you just speak to my wife and tell her i'm right said, lord please be with me but how many times do we pray and then we say amen and then we're out amen peace out and god's like well i guess that was a one-way conversation that's religion i'm just saying relationship is if i do that to my wife you know how that's going to end up. I'm going to get really comfy on the couch, right? But why do we expect anything different with our Father in heaven, with the relationship? To have a relationship, you've got to listen. He's got to have an opportunity to talk. And I just, again, nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But someone needs to hear that this morning, that you've got to listen. If you pray for 10, listen to 40 to 50 minutes. Just soak in his presence. He's got so much to say in this generation. But people just talk too much. I'm just saying. I'm going to move on. Come on yeah i'm just gonna get real this morning i'm just saying i I want to read scriptures of favor like oh god we're talking about favor i want something to just for us to hang our hat on this morning where where you're saying this this favor thing where is it at i'm glad you asked i love these questions that you ask me so in psalm 30 verse 5 in the new living translation says for his anger lasts only a moment But his favor lasts a lifetime. See, the past, the things of yesterday, the things that you went through yesterday, yet correction may have come, but his love for you is enduring forever and ever and ever. But see, it's just like when we discipline our children. I discipline my child, hey, hey, you done messed up, it's time to move on. But it doesn't change my love for her. It doesn't change that I seek the very best for her. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Just because you done messed up and correction had to come. Maybe it was from the pulpit. Maybe it was from the very words of Jesus himself. But you need to not just put on defense. We're too defensive and offended, offended in this culture. We need to say, you know what, you're right. I done messed up, and I'll, I'm going to come humble before you, and I'm going to listen to the correction, because then growth will happen, and development will happen, and then you'll get propelled into the next in your life. But the correction doesn't last forever. But his love does. And we see in, in Psalm chapter 5, verse 12, and I'm actually going to read out the New King James Version. I know, but I just love, I love the translation here. It says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous... With favor. I want you to highlight that word favor pray for that favor. You will surround him as with a shield. See, I love this visual. See, I know you are thinking shield like maybe the old 8-bit Nintendo Zelda where they had that little small shield deflecting things. We're not talking about that small shield. We're talking about a giant shield of that time. A shield that would encompass and envelop their entire body. These were massive pieces. They could literally push through people. These shields were so much. And I want you to get that visual of, of his favor over your life. It's like a shield. His favor on your life because you're walking and you're just being persistent you said I don't understand it and I got all hell against me but I'm going to push through in Jesus name I'm going to get to the next I'm going to get to this addiction I'm going to get to this trouble and triumph in Jesus name with that shield and Psalm 84 11 continues on for the Lord God is our son and our shield he gives us grace and glory the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right he's not going to hold good things from you Maybe you've been praying about the same thing over and over and over. And you're saying, God, this is a good thing. Why why am I not receiving it? Maybe it's not for you. Maybe, just maybe, it's not in the right time. See, my God doesn't hold good things from his children. I'm going to say that again. My God does not hold good things from his children, but he will prevent you from walking into things that are not for you and not in his time and the things that will lead to destruction. So instead of trying to beat against the wall that has been sealed shut, say, Lord, would you provide another opportunity? Would you provide another door for me to walk through? And I can promise you, the opportunity will present itself. Oftentimes we're just beating our head against the same door. It's like, bro, if you would just get your eyes... off that door and see all the open doors around you, the ones that I want you to walk through. Stop beating your head against the same door. And finally in Psalm 106, chapter or verse 4, rather it says, remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Man, come on, how many of us want that? Uh, Lord, when you come, I want you to show me favor. Come near and rescue me. I want, I want you to write this down. Mercy is a sign of God's love. But favor is a sign of God's like. There's a difference. I'll say it again. Mercy is a sign of God's love. Favor is a sign of God's like. I remember this one time, well not this one time, the only time, my my father-in-law knew that I was going to propose to my then girlfriend, now wife. And he said this, he asked me this profound question. I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm going to go through the ringer and we're going to see what's going to happen. He asked this one, one question. He said, son, I know you love your wife. Or, I know you love my daughter. I'm like, yeah, darn right I do. He said, but do you like her? <laughs> like, well, yeah, I was like, yeah, I like her. I, and the reason I say that is because it's a choice. God can't choose to not love you. He doesn't like your sin. He doesn't like the road maybe you're going down right now. But he is love. All he knows how to do is love. But he can choose favor. Are you with me this morning? He can choose favor. I, I promise under God to love my wife. But there are some times, come on, married people. We don't like our spouse sometimes. We love them dearly. It's like, why would you leave that on? Why is the fridge open? Why is the seat up? Come on. We can get real this morning. But sometimes we get frustrated. But does that change my love for her? No. I'm going to love her forever. But, man, there are some times where she just wants to slap me. But it's a choice is what I'm getting at this morning. He chooses favor. And that favor is on the other side of obedience to him. Favor isn't fair. I'm living proof of that. Favor isn't fair. Everything that I walk in, everything that I say, everything that I do is completely 100% bona fide Undeserving the life that i lived before this the path that i was going the 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 areas in which i was i was seeking and the and the careers and the whatever my past completely unqualified pastor forget about pastor christian i got friends that still don't believe i'm a christian let alone a pastor we haven't even bridged that road yet we'll get there eventually but what i'm saying is we 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 need to be we need to be in the understanding that we are not qualified for that job but you're called Maybe you got something, maybe you got blessed in your finances. Maybe you got a marriage that, man, you just don't deserve. I, I don't deserve my wife. Come on, I, I don't deserve the fine. I don't deserve this mission. I don't deserve this. But God's grace is sufficient. He loves you, and his favor is on you. Because I am walking out his will, not my own. I grab the reins. It don't take long for me to mess it up. You know, he said, okay, step one. I'm on step 12 already. I haven't even gone through step one through 11. He said, like, What are you doing? Step one, walk. What are you running up the mountain for? Screaming around like a crazy person. I'm just telling you to walk. Come on, that's for somebody this morning. But see, some are quick to blame God for their problems. Oh, God, where are you? But they don't ask Him for solutions. You know that person? Maybe you were that person. Come on, let me just get real. Oh God where are you at? You never show up for me. We always have these positive, you know, these these absolutes. You're never, you're always. When it's the furthest thing from the truth. He is always there. He is always present. He is omnipresent matter of fact. The devil ain't omnipresent. That's one angelic being. Just want to set that right just in case anybody wants to put them equal. God is above all. God is the creator. But they're quick I don't want to seek. And I have some people that, man, I want your life, bro. I love your life. And you got it all, man. First off, you don't know what we walk through. But however, I can see on the outside, man, it looks good. All you're on stage and your jeans and your fancy hair. It's all good. I want all that. I want your life. I want the, the relationship that you have and how happy you always are. And again, you don't know me all the time. But how happy you seem and you're smiling. But they want that. But then I said, well, let me tell you where to get it. And they don't want nothing to do with Jesus. Man, you can't have that without Jesus. You can have happiness without Jesus, but happiness only lasts for a little while. Joy will last a lifetime. There is a monumental difference between happiness and joy, which is a totally different sermon that I'll preach later. But you need to understand there is a difference. I'll just leave it at that. But a lot of people want the life, but they don't want the Jesus, and they don't want to have to pick up their own cross. I'm just saying. The things you got to sacrifice to even get on this platform. And I'm not lifting myself up. I just want you to hear that. But the sacrifices that are needed to get to where you need to go next. Some were at a high cost. People at the time knew what it meant to take up your cross. They literally had to do it. They had a visual representation of somebody walking with their own basically death device the cross. They understood visually what that meant. You have to lay things down to walk into the next. You can't carry that burden. You can't carry those chains. You can't drag that person into the next if they're not willing to go. Is that for you this morning, church? Maybe it's for me. Maybe I just preached to myself this morning. But I don't want my ministry to be based on my words. On my jeans, on my shoes, on my hair. How many people come into this church? I do. If this church explodes to a thousand, which I believe it will, I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for a simple, humble person that literally walked the walk. Not just talked the talk. Man, it's easy to get up here like, man, preach. Oh, preacher. Preach it on. But it's another thing to live it out. Come on. Real life happens outside these doors. Where a wife happens at Walmart, the coffee shop, the grocery store, money through Saturday. It's easy to be a Christian in church. I'm just saying, it's really easy praying for people, people filled with the Spirit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But you go into Walmart. I not give Walmart a hard time. I will do Target. You go into Target, right? You get in there. You got that crazy fool left up in line. That's just you know. It says twenty or less items, and they've got five hundred items. You know, come on, test your Christianity there. Instead of getting crazy, that person will be like, "Hey, fool! Don't you know how to count?" Maybe you pray for them. How about this? Take it a step further. Hey, can I buy that stuff for you? God put it on my heart to buy something for you. Come on, well, come on, come on, guys. We can be real. You all experience. I know you've experienced that before. You count. You're looking through the grocery the little grocery bag. You're like, fool, there ain't no. There's more than twenty items in that thing. I'm counting. There's twenty six items. You need to go over there and stand in line like the rest of us. But I say that is. Because we're the keyhole, in what non-believers see the church and see and see uh, Jesus. We're the keyhole in which they see. What are they seeing at the church? Are you flying off the handle if you're over there? Everybody knows you're counting the groceries. Like, ah, oh, come on. Are you that person? Or you're like, you know what? I got time. Obviously, God wants me to be here for a minute for a, for a reason. Uh, you know, or maybe, maybe, just maybe. Why are they not coming to church? I had somebody approach, yeah, I've been inviting this person to church all the time, and they don't come. I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. I-, I wonder why they wouldn't come. And they won't even talk to Jesus. I'm like, well, okay. And then I listen to them have a conversation, and they have an F-bomb at the end of, like, basically that's their punctuation mark in their sentence. And the way that they act, the way that they respond, the way that they communicate, it is no wonder they don't come to church. Because there's no difference friends, I I don't know if you, maybe you don't like that. I am sorry if you don't like that. But people are going to see you and your attitude and your demeanor before they come to church. And they're going to formulate their opinion of Jesus. They're going to formulate their opinion of church on how they were treated by you. Loving people to life is not just a little blue pretty sticker that I slapped up on this wall because it's on all of our campuses. But it's a model that we need to be living every day. It's not always easy to love people. Especially on the highways here. I got to tell you what, We are just praying in tongues last, I'm telling you. It's crazy. Merging, that's a whole nother. I could probably preach on a sermon on merging. But we'll, we'll, we'll move on. We can have confidence in the process. I want everybody to say process this morning. All right. I don't know about you, but man, in the shower, I'm like Lauren Daigle. My voice, my voice is angelic. Man, I'm like, man, I hit that note. I got this song, right? I am I am on fire, man, for Jesus in the shower. I'm, oh, see, you don't want me on the worship team, I'm just saying. But I, I, got, I got confidence that I, in my abilities to sing. And I got confidence in like, my ninja skills, too. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, I got, bah. But you put me on stage and say, okay, I want to see your confidence. Get on stage and sing. Well, I can tell you what, we're going to need a big altar call after that. But what I'm saying is, I, my confidence stops there. Or maybe I'll get a little bit personal. It may like bees. Hornets, wasps, maybe you, you hate them. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down for you like this. So this other day I was sitting in, in, by our window and there's this big wasp is sitting there. And I'm looking at it, I'm like mean mugging it, like, yeah, that's right, I got you. I got you. He's sitting right, I'm like super close to it, i like, I'm not afraid of you. But I'm telling you right now, if that same wasp even came within a foot of me, I would be driving or I'd be, be running in oncoming traffic. I hate bees. People that know me, I run for them. I'm just being vulnerable with you this morning. Come on, can I be vulnerable with you this morning? I do not like bees, and I will run like, like, like a five-year-old, ah, running through traffic, running through obstacles, you name it. I hate bees. But why do you say that? That's a good, that's a good question. I need to ask that. But it's true in our spiritual walk. Our confidence, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to break it down like this, and this might hurt some feelers this morning, but we use the church as the crutch. I just told you before that in the church, it's easy to be a Christian. It's easy to move in the spirit. Come on. It's easy to see healing because our comfort, our confidence. Man, we're in the church. We're surrounded by believers. Yeah. But the moment you walk out the door, it's like it's almost like it just all gets stripped away. The word is your confidence. Your confidence should be not in the preacher. It should not be in the worship. It shouldn't even be in the environment. But your confidence needs to be in God. Because if it is, you'll have that same confidence walking outside. You'll be able to sling that, that in, into that giant. You, you'll be able to take down whatever it is in your life if you have that kind of confidence. But you've got to have confidence in the process. Being persistent. see, we learn so much under pressure, don't we? Like you get molded and pressured and crushed, and we learn so much in our lives. But see, in this process, when we learn and we develop a relationship with God, it makes it easier for us to submit to his will on our own because we have seen him move in our life. If you've never seen him move in any way, it's really difficult. You say trust. You say all these things, but I don't want to. I don't want the God of my my parents and my grandparents. I want the God of right now. I, I want to see Him move right now in Jesus' name. And there's a generation right for Him to move. But we got to be willing. We got to be open. We got to stop being so close-minded that well, God moved a couple years ago. There was a movement. There was a revival. You know what? There's a revival going on right now. And it's you and I. It starts within our house, uh, fathers. It starts in our families, and then it translates into the church, and then into the community I'm just saying buckle your seats God has got something big for the city of Caldwell in Jesus name can I get an amen I know his favors on me because I'm doing his will supernatural things happen in our life it's crazy God says I want you to lay hands on somebody I'm like oh boy you know I'm not gonna spit I haven't gotten to the point where I'm gonna spit in someone's eye and then hopefully they're you know they're they're not blind anymore I ain't gotten that far yet but he says I'm gonna put my hands on somebody and I'm gonna believe that they're gonna be healed I don't understand why people get healed when we touch them. And it's not us. I just want to be obedient. I want to see God move. I, 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 get, I hear, I, I see his words, I read his words, I hear his voice. But there's a generation that needs to see him move in their life. And it needs to see them, their, their life altering and changing in other people's lives. Says, That's a Christian. Not because they said they're a Christian. Because look at their life. It doesn't resemble anything it once did before. And look what they're walking in. It's crazy. People think you're drinking the Kool-Aid because of what you're walking in. Quitting jobs and walking in. You're crazy. But I'd rather be like my wife. I love what my wife says. I'd rather be a fool for God than a fool for the world. Man, if I'm going to be a fool and look ridiculous in church or look ridiculous, God might be like, man, you hit. I meant that person, not that one right there. But you know what? I think he's still happy with it because you were trying. You are trying to be obedient, and you were, you were trying to move, and you were giving him all the credit. But see, I don't worry about it anymore. I don't need to ask the why me, God. Why am I on stage preaching? I don't understand that. I got, I got stage fright like you wouldn't believe. I know, that sounds crazy, right? But because of God, because of who sent me, I'm able to do what I'm in. It is in my weakness that he is, he is making me strong. It's not in our strength that he makes us strong. It's in our weakness it gives him all the credit in Jesus' name. Because I got a history with him. I, I want to pull up a cartoon picture in the back. Too many of us, we give up right at that last moment. We're chipping away. We're on fire like this crazy fool up here. And we're just chipping away things. I mean, I got this. I'm slaying this. And then we just get tired. You say love people. And I'm just like, I'm exhausted loving people. You say like people. I'm done liking people. Right? Come on. We're all, we all get there. And then we get to this point in the bottom. We're like, man, I'm done. But if we would have just stuck to it for just a, a time longer, the blessings and the promises and the things of God are just on the other side. The good fight of faith. <laughs> There's a reason. It says fight. Because <laughs> sometimes we just need, we need faith to have faith. Come on, church. But we need to, get, we need to just kind of persevere and push through just a little bit longer. You would look at a diamond. It's just a piece of coal that would strip pressure. We look at a a pearl was just a sand that irritated the clam so much, or oyster rather, and it just coated it and coated it. Is somebody irritating you this morning? Hopefully it's not me, but maybe someone else, and if it's me, cover me with grace. But think about it. You keep covering with grace, and I'm not just saying grace for grace sake, but I'm saying cover them and say, you know, I don't understand where you're coming from. Maybe you've had a, a bad background, or maybe you're going through something I'm not aware of, and then eventually they become your best friend. And then you see the beautiful gem, you see the beautiful pearl or diamond that God saw them. Come on. But what's irritating you? We can have confidence if we don't draw back. And I really want to illustrate this. Sometimes we just need to have faith, to have faith. But God is the finisher. If he has put that dream and that vision and that thing in your heart and your mind, he's going to see you through it. He's not going to say, well, that was a good plan. Hey, good luck. Peace out. You're on your own. He's going to be with you the whole time. He said, come on, I want to encourage you. I know you messed up, but just dust up, pick up your mat, and just go. I want you to see the destiny that I have for you. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. How do you do this? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Not your problem, not your situation, not your finances, not your crazy uncle two times removed. But you keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Some translations say that he's the finisher of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Man, if that doesn't give you confidence, I don't know what's going to give you confidence, church. But it's not how you begin, it's how you finish. Now, I believe in first impressions. Come on, first impressions are lasting impressions. But what I'm getting to here is I'm talking about not giving up. I want to, if maybe you're any baseball fans in the house... Okay, maybe maybe you got a team like mine that's like one of the best ever, the Red Sox, I'm just saying. But in 2004, they were down three games to none in the bottom of the ninth inning against the New York Yankees in the championship game. All odds against them. Ain't no way. And I remember sitting on my, the miracle, I was sitting on my, my wife's parents' floor and I'm watching. I'm like, it's over. Throw on the towel, just leave. And then a miracle happened. Not only did they win that game in extra innings, they won Four straight games in a row, and then they went back, and then they won the World Series that year. I'm just saying, but they persevered. They pushed through. They, they, they didn't just say, well, I see the, the hand I was dealt. Man, we messed up all of these games. We might as well just give up. I'm telling you here this morning, you do not need to give up because this fails into comparison to your comeback story. That obstacle that the enemy or that somebody put in front of you this morning, that obstacle is now going to be a comeback. It is now going to be a testimony for you to share for everybody around you. Change lives, share your testimony. They said you couldn't, God said you will. They said, you're not strong enough. God said, I give you my strength. They said, you're not equipped. Okay. God said, you're called. They said, that you're not gifted and you're not talented enough. God said, I have anointed you for a time such as this. They said, you are not feeding me. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Come to me for the source of food. And they said, your city has no hope. Caldwell has no hope. It's always going to be riddled with gangs. It's always going to be riddled with this. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus says, I am the hope. I am the truth. I am the life. And whoever comes to me will have everything. Everlasting life. We persevered. We pushed through in the city of Caldwell. They said, your ministry, your church is going to fail. I've heard all of these things. Your church is never going to grow past 50 we're getting to 300. I'm, I'm just saying, but what's more important is this, God says my church will prevail and the powers of hell will not overcome, or in other translations, will not overcome it in Jesus' name. Church, you're going to hit road bumps. You're going to hit speed bumps and counterblocks, blocks, pitfalls. People are going to disappoint you because people are people. But don't draw back. Press in. Push in. Because the favor and the blessings and the promises are on the other side of your obedience. Can I get an amen this morning if that's you? He brought you this far to just quit on you now. Man, some of you, I, the devil was a setback, and now, now it's an overcoming. If, if you were a part of the story here of Caldwell uh, a few years ago, this was a nightclub. We had like weird like arch things and lights that c- c- probably broke 11 laws of codes, and this room looked nothing like this. There was no floor. It was a racquetball court. We had like little hobbit doors over here that you can get into the racquetball. None of this was here. There was nobody here. But we didn't give up. We prayed. We humbled ourselves. And we got on our knees before the Lord. And God has radically changed this church. And he's radically changing the community. In Jesus' name, can I get an amen this morning? Because people said, no, I, no, that's, I don't care if I'm picking up beer bottles before I preach. <laughs> We're going to change the city because you have called us to a place such as this for a time, such as this, to change this city. Stop looking back. God doesn't have a rearview mirror. Look forward. Man, I don't care what you got wrapped up. I don't care if you're even paying for the consequences now of your past. Continue to look forward. God is always creating. Creation is always moving forward. It never goes back and says, oh, I wonder how that. No, it always moves forward and says, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I've got a destiny for you this morning. That's for you. It's not just a hallelujah, hey, thanks, preacher. No, that's for you specifically, daughters and sons. He's got something, man, he's got something special for you. And I'm going to close with this. We can have confidence And the return of Christ Jesus. Come on, can I get amen for that? We can have confidence in the return. See, his return is not a random mention in scripture, like, well, I'll throw my people a bone. Like, yeah, I might, I might come, I might come check on you. No. No, no. Three hundred and twenty-nine times is Jesus' return mentioned in the scripture. I don't know about you, I'm not a mathematician. But I broke it down. I actually had Google break it down. But anyway, it still counts. One verse out of every 30 verses references the return of Jesus. I think that God was trying to get a point to us, across to us this morning. That his return is imminent. His return is coming. And it's going to be a triumphant victory when he comes on a white horse. But the message was delivered not just by people, not by preachers, but angels, prophets, apostles. And even Jesus himself. Man, if Jesus speaks, you see those red letters in the scripture, man, you better put your ear to the ground and you had better listen carefully because he's got something to say to you. The Apostle Paul, or I'm sorry, the Apostle John rather, opens up Revelations with the return. He closes the chapter with the return saying, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And I'm going to finish with this one quote, and if we can have the picture behind us this morning. Martin Luther said said it this way. I live as though Christ died yesterday, rose again today, and is coming back tomorrow. We need a people. We need a church, not the building, but we need people to live and to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. You know those guys that the older guys that like man or they, you know they got cancer or they you know, they know their time's up and man they just it's like a man I got I got so much to do I want to go skydiving I want to go do this I'm not saying skydiving and things that are the things that we need to do but why aren't we living like man God what do you want me to do I want to live like tomorrow is my last day we we had something happen uh, in a family in, in our dance the father just passed away out of the blue completely. On. and his last words were like I think that I think my time's up I think this is it I love you all and this is the picture that he's experiencing right now I want this to be said of all of us that when we get ushered into heaven when our time is up that we hear these words well done good and faithful servant good yes you did good but faithful means... I was asking you to do. You you helped that mom in the grocery store. You loved people when you really didn't want to. You helped them in that situation. You prayed for them. You listened You did something so radical, but it changed lives because of me. Let it be so said about us that we would live a life as though he was coming right now.